0: Welcome back to his time on Worldwide KFUO. We're creeping up on time for our daily lectionary study, looking at the New Testament text for the day, and again getting real close to the end of Romans. We've been making our way through that entire book and enjoying it. I hope uh, back and forth as we struggle with some of those more complicated parts in the middle, but always kind of adhering to that, that central argument he makes at the start about the reality of sin and the reality of grace that comes with it because of the goodness of our God and Lord and what he has done for us in Jesus. Today's text is going to continue this exhortation section at the end, talking about how to live with each other. And you can still hear some of that, uh, the distinction between Jew and Gentile struggle that was probably going on, culture battle in the early church in Rome, as he is going to talk about, well, we're we're all one body in Jesus. The text, Paul writes, chapter 14. For the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day, observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord, and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself And none of us dies to himself, for if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. But rather, decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God, Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for it. Again, you can hear, right, there's there's conflict under this passage. He's addressing, without calling names, as he does in some other places, other texts, he'll call them out by name. Hey, hey, you, uh, uh, is it Lois, I think, at one point? please yeah, I don't remember, two ladies, stop it, right? They're not quite there, but he's certainly dealing with a tension beneath the surface of the congregation and one that well, many congregations face from time to time, and all too often we let our flesh get the better of us. We decide to act as the world would. We repay evil with evil rather than what we learned yesterday, what we saw, what Jesus does, turning the other cheek, seeking to repay good with good, trying to overcome that evil with the civil disobedience of, of love. Right. This is continuing that and really focusing in on what clearly was also a particular issue, the issue of food, meat. Probably not a vegetarian versus carnivore argument so much as a food offered to idols argument, similar to the one we find in the book of Corinthians. But we'll take up that in the next hour with Pastor Matthew Richard of Zion Lutheran Church in Winter, North Dakota. He's going to be joining us at 8 o'clock, a little after 8 o'clock, to look at this text, try to pull it apart, put a cap on it make it all make sense, and help us not forget that this is coming at the end of a book that is not about do this, do that, do this, but about what Jesus has done. And answering that question as we wait for the fullness of what he has done, well, what does that mean for our lives in the present, in the here and now? How how then shall we live with each other, knowing that soon enough we will all bow? We bow now at the altar anyway. We, at least symbolically, bow. I should say, not symbolically, we share the same cup even if we pass it around in little cups. We drink the same blood. How can we then despise each other, even though we should harm each other? Is it not then our task to overcome, to look past, and to, like our Lord has done for us, learn to forgive? You're listening to His Time on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. I know you're hearing it here this morning. You're going to get some more, so you want to stick around. his time on Worldwide KFUO. It's your morning drive for the soul and we're taking care of you, getting your devotions right in your plate. Today Romans chapter 14 the whole text finishing up not quite, I shouldn't say that, we've got a few days left but wow, we're, we're really close now to the end of the book. It's been quite a haul. Uh, plenty of challenging texts in their own right talking about election, talking about baptismal regeneration, talking about original sin and today uh, maybe one of the toughest things for good Lutherans to deal with, exhortation. When Paul says, hey, you guys, um, you got to kind of stop what you're doing. It's wrong. You got to live this way and not that way. On the line with me, all the way from sunny North Dakota, uh, my good friend, Pastor Matthew Richard of Zion Lutheran Church in Gwynner, North Dakota, to help us dig through this text. If you got a question or comment for him or myself, you can call us 1 800 730 2727 or tweet me at Rev Fisk. I'll take your question there on air as well. Again, that number 1 800 730 2727. 2727 uh pastor richard matt my friend welcome to the show
1: hey jonathan good to hear your voice good to be with you here for the next uh yeah 45 minutes or so that'd be great
0: looking forward to it um i know you but they don't so talk a little bit about uh zion and uh the the beauty that is gwinner north dakota
1: yeah gwinner is uh boy best way to say it is we're kind of a bedroom community um for the fargo area uh in southeast north Dakota. Uh, southeast North Dakota, uh, out in the prairie here. And so about a town of about a 1,000 people. Now, believe it or not, uh, I always tell people this, and they find this very astonishing. We have a, a factory here in town that produces bobcat skid steers. Um, now, I don't know if everybody knows what a skid steer is, but it's basically a... Uh, Oh, boy, how would we describe it, Jonathan? I'm just trying to think here. A little
0: tiny machine that picks stuff up and has a changeable front end.
1: Right. <laughs> you know, I don't <laughs> know. It's the <laughs> dual. So it's machinery. Yeah, Bobcat machinery. And uh, our little factory, well, I shouldn't say little factory. The factory employs about 1,400 people. So during the day, our town goes from 1,000 to 2,500 people. And we actually have traffic jams on ship changes in the, in the prairie here. So, um, But, uh, yeah, neat little town. Uh, Zion Lutheran is church on the south side of town here Uh, some wonderful saints here uh, in Southeast North Dakota,
0: one of my uh, biggest amazements when I was up to the the first time I came through to Zion and to to Gwinter, I should say, and then sometimes coming home from Fargo on on a Friday evening, uh, I could see Gwinner from miles away. Yeah. You know, because the light from the factory just was shooting into the sky. It wasn't quite a spotlight, but it was almost one.
1: yeah, uh, yeah, I remember when you came to visit one time too. <laughs> this is a surreal time. I remember getting gas at the gas station. I remember. Uh, You were kind of walking out when I was getting gas, and you kind of looked down Highway 13, you looked to your right, you could see outside the city for like, you know, 10 miles, and you looked to the left, and you could see the other side through the city, another 10 miles that way, so yeah, it's definitely prairie country out here, but wonderful people.
0: Yeah, good stuff. And uh, faithful congregation, holding to the word and sacraments of Christ. Uh, so let's let's start dealing with the text. It's got plenty to cover. Um, anything in the context before we go to the text proper? We've we've obviously, as I said a moment ago, gone through just about the entire book. I think we did had to skip parts of chapter six and seven due to the weekend, um, but we've covered most of the book. But it's always good to review, and especially as we're going to hit uh, some some exhortation, we want to know on what foundation this is built.
1: Yeah, I think I think you hit that earlier that uh, we kind of enter into a different section in the book of Romans here, uh, the the letter of Romans uh, that Paul writes uh, to the Christians in Rome, and as we get to chapter 14, this is kind of the section I, I like to classify chapters 12 and 13 and 14 and on um, that this is kind of a, a shift that Paul takes, and he's he's describing the the shape and the attitude um, of the Christian. Uh, in other words this is what it looks like uh, to live in worship as a Christian uh, in your life. Uh, one being who is baptized, one who has been justified in Christ, one who is living by faith. And so, uh, you know, it definitely does contain some ethics, but I think a better way of looking at this would be in, in the realm of worship. Uh, you know, in everyday worship, living by faith, um, the, the shape of my life being uh, impacted by God the Holy Spirit through His Word uh, doing a work on me in my relationship to my neighbor and in my relationship
0: to God. And you don't get raised from the dead without having an effect on what you do, right? It, right, it, right. <laughs> you right. Know? Good point. Yep, absolutely. New, new life's going to boil out. And and the tru- the struggle is when you would try to make that new life be the only thing you experience in this age and, and believe that that justification, which is affecting in you, uh, through your faith, which is going to cause you to desire to do good, that somehow that's something you're going to complete and bring about on your own rather than waiting for the culmination of it on the last day. Nonetheless, we're looking for that last day. And this text is kind of saying, well, th- just because you have that sin is no reason to give into it. And uh, we're, we'll definitely d- dig into that as well as uh, the the real linchpin question at, at verse 12 when we get there. I'll save that one for when we get there. So let's just start with uh, the first paragraph here. I'll read it and then we'll we'll go back and forth a bit. So Paul says again: As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let no one who does who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand." So, you know, again, is, is there something going on in the congregation? Is this about uh, meat offered to idols? Uh, I always love, uh, uh, kind of as a, as a joke, so don't take this too seriously, but the Bible actually says that vegetarians are the weak-minded people and we carnivores, we know what we're doing, right? Because the weak person eats only vegetables. But it, I, th- I think it's more than that. I think this is more about some sort of worship practice that uh, has or tradition that hasn't been let go of. Um, but then also then what jumps out is, you know, you're going to be upheld. He's basically saying this isn't a matter of salvation. That's the whole point. This is—you're already upheld. You're in Christ. So stop worrying about opinions. These aren't—so finally, let me let me say the last thing. You can pick any one of these to, to jump off of. Um, you know, passing judgment on other—these are one of those passages you can take out of context. Who are you to pass judgment? Don't judge. Let me do whatever I want. Well— Paul's clearly demonstrating at the start here. He's talking now not about commandments. He's not talking about you, you are not allowed to confront your brother when he actually is is lying and stealing and cheating. He's saying don't quarrel over your own opinion about something like, well, meat or vegetables. Any right, thoughts on any right. of that?
1: Yeah, yeah, right on. I mean, I think I think one of the one of the things we can maybe introduce here and uh, you know, I I always try to be careful when you use, you know, what I call $50 words, you know, so that we can make it confusing, but there, there, there is a technical word for what we're talking about here, and it's adiaphora, you know, mm. say one more time. Adiaphora, and for the listener to understand, when we talk about adiaphora, those are things that are neither commanded nor forbidden by the Lord in the Scriptures. And so this would be things such as food or clothing or drink or social activities, um, you know, what, what, what a Christian does on a Sunday afternoon, these kind of things. And so we have to be very careful twofold. I mean, I think there's, there's two ditches we can actually run into. On the one side, we can say uh, and take something that God neither forbids uh, nor commands. We can take that, and we can take it from this adiaphora category, and we can place it into a category of sin. So in other words, uh, something such as food or clothing or drink, um, you know, that is not commanded, neither forbidden nor commanded by the Lord we can take it and we can put it into that category of sin, and then we can heap it on our brother and say, you know, that's sin, and condemn them. Uh, Well, the problem with that is we we can't condemn something as sin that God doesn't condemn as sin in the Scriptures. Right. And on the other side of the coin, we have another way where we can mess this up, where we can take things that are actually commanded by God in the Scriptures, uh, that are clearly defined in the Ten Commandments, and we can say, ah, you know what, tell you what, that's already offered. I mean, why, why are you sweating the small stuff? I mean... This is this is something that we really shouldn't worry about. You know, it's not a big deal, um, and and we can actually diminish sin by by reducing something that is clearly sin that God clearly commands against. We can reduce it to that category adiaphora. So we have to be careful both of those sides. It's in interesting talking about this.
0: It's interesting that you you said earlier that it's a good category to put all of this into uh, is worship, because I think if you're a listener out there and you're a Christian and you're just kind of living Christian life uh, as a Lutheran, you are you fall into one of two categories. You've heard the word audio offer before or you haven't. And if you haven't, you just learn what it is. If you have, the context you've probably heard it in is in worship as a way of saying that worship doesn't matter, that what we do in worship can be whatever we want it to be because it's neither commanded nor forbidden. And putting it in the context of the Christian life is really interesting. I mean, how how much of what we do is actually, and I don't want to go off on the wrong edge here, too. But, but isn't all of what we do in one way commanded or forbidden? And, and this is under this law that Paul's going to get to in in the sake for the sake of love. So that there are times when when this offer becomes not offer because now I've got to worry about my brother's need rather than my own opinion. And, and that's sort of the abuse of offer is kind of the, the final danger there. I guess is what I'm trying to get at that it, it isn't license, um, and it certainly is not license to use your freedom to to harm another. Any thoughts on that before we go on?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think, I think you're right on. I think I think one of the keys is this, is we can end up, I mean, both you and I, we've been in the church long enough where we've seen this unfortunately happen, and, and I'd like to say that I'm, you know, not guilty of this myself, but we can uh, get uh, bickering over what I call carpet issues, you know, what color is the carpet of the church, um, you know, or the, you know, the, the, the time of the church service, whether we meet at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock, now those things are obviously adiaphora. And so what happens is we can get so much uh, dug into our trenches on these issues, you know, the color of the carpet, the, the food or clothing and so forth, these things that are adiaphram, and that what, what happens is we can dig ourselves in and then we start launching grenades at each other, uh, the two different sides, that we fail to forget that we're not loving each other. Right. exactly what you're saying. And, and I think the key is this, is in, in verse 3, where, where it's kind of interesting that uh, Paul, you know, he doesn't really start dissecting you know the you know the vegetables i mean there's debate over vegetarians those eating meat and those eating vegetables and and really what he does is he kind of goes over top of that usurps this and says hey wait a minute you know you're despising your brother and you you're passing judgment on him and and really what's happening when you're despising him you're not loving him and you who look at your other brother you're, you're you're passing this condemnation you're heaping condemnation on on each other And whether you like it or not, maybe if you think you're justified in your position, well, here's the news. You're both condemned. I mean, you're you're despising, you're judging, you're both being jerks to each other. And so I think that is the key to look at uh, when it comes to this, is how do we uh, walk with each other in regard to things that are neither uh, mandated or forbidden? How do we walk uh, as Christians, loving each other, when there's conflicts over different piety? And so that is, that's kind of really the main thrust of this, is how we relate to each other as Christians when we find ourselves, because we certainly do. We find ourselves in these situations where we're in conflict. And, and uh, I think you know, the first thing is we have to discern whether this is, what, sin or not. And if it's not sin, if it's adiaphora, you know, if it's neither forbidden nor commanded, then we have to learn, by God's grace, uh, how to walk with each other in worship, like you said, you know, neither despising nor judging each other.
0: So much of what ends up being conflict in the church, at least in my uh, limited experience, you know, I, I wasn't out there for thirty-five years, and uh, uh, but but so much of of what I did experience when I saw conflict, it was over the things that didn't matter, and that's what grieved me the most, was mm-hmm. that we were drawing lines in the sand over uh, things that maybe were important, kind of, but they they weren't doctrine. And I never once saw people get into a fight over the doctrine,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, over. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. That's been my experience, too, that, that, that typically what will happen... I and mean, I, 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 Boy, I, I don't want to be too harsh when I say this, but, but it's certainly true. It's been my experience, and I, I think I find this for myself, too. Uh, you know, when it comes down to a clear doctrinal issue, like such as maybe a commandment, I mean, especially in our, our over-sexualized cult right, that we live right. in, the Sixth Commandment, well, you know, we kind of just you know, let the Sixth Commandment... We, we bend that, we flex it, but when it comes to the color of the carpet... Uh, boy, I tell you what, <laughs> right. that's the line in the sand, and and it's really unfortunate. I mean, I think that's that's a tactic of the old Adam, that's their sinful nature, and it's also, I think, the evil one who wants to bind us up into the things that really, you know, when it really comes down to it, they don't matter, and the things that do matter, well, then we, you know, can easily kind of write it off. I think, frankly, because when it comes to things that really do matter, um, boy, for us to take a hard line in the sand on that, it uh, acknowledges that we're not in control, that we're not the judge, that we that we live live these lives together as created beings. We have one who is above us, the Lord who judges the living and the dead. And I think, frankly, that scares us.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's where the text is going to be going. But I think I'm going to take the break a little bit early so we don't have to break this text apart. You're listening to his time on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. I'm with my guest, Pastor Matt Richard, out of Zion Lutheran Church in Gwinnor, North Dakota. We'll be back with more of Romans chapter 14 in just a moment. 75 years old? Who has spread the love of our Lord in 43 countries? Who has shared over $100 million in mission grants around the world? Surprise! It's Lutheran Women in Mission, LWML. Want to be a part of shaping the next 75 years of this far-reaching ministry? The Lutheran Women's Missionary League is meeting in Albuquerque, New Mexico between June 22nd and 25th for their 37th biennial convention. Register by visiting lwml.org.
1: The next broadcast of Law & Gospel is an Insight Wednesday during which we speak of something of great insight in the Scripture. However, you may have a question and email me at gospel lawandgospel at dot 101com to deal with that.
0: Weekday mornings beginning at 9.30 on KFUO. back to his time on Worldwide KFUO. I'm your host, Pastor Jonathan Fisk, talking with Pastor Matthew Richard out of Zion Lutheran Church in Gwinnah, North Dakota, about Romans chapter 14. And we went away early and came back quick, so we don't want to miss any of this text. Uh, it is, uh, uh, well, I guess, as we're talking about it, one that really does need to be heard by all of us on a regular basis, even Christians as we are, believers as we are springing forth in faith as we are, the law is still part of our life. It's a necessary thing to hear uh, to kind of curb us back into acknowledging, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, we got to live with each other. Yeah, hey, i got a question or comment about the text. You can call us 1-800-730-2727 or tweet me at Rev Fisk. We do have a question coming from Facebook here in just a moment as we get to verse 12, but uh, I'm going to read, I think I'm going to read for us 5 through 12 here and take it as a chunk because 5 through 9 is, is very much repeating just from a different angle what we've been talking talking about already, and uh, we, can, we can go into it as much as you want, Pastor Richard, but um, uh, it's, it's, again, I think the same idea. So verse 5, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Now that you mentioned judgment before we went to the break, and it kind of it gets there with with judgment and and the fear of judgment, which is a, a good thing to have. But before we push to that edge, that middle section is again, it's like he's giving more examples, right? So we've been talking about meat and vegetables. Now we're going to talk about which day you do what. And there was the debate. If I'm getting this right, out of a book called the Didache, which is dated to the first century, one of the big debates in the early church amongst congregations was which day you should fast on. Was it Tuesday or Friday? And uh, they they really kind of uh, fought about that and. Uh, and so it was a big deal I don't think this is about the date of Christmas but you actually see in the history of the church uh, in the Eastern Orthodox uh, they actually have a debate over Christmas and when you should celebrate Christmas and so he, he's basically saying these things are not commanded or forbidden again this audiophry idea and he drives it to that w- we are all Christians this isn't like we're, we gotta earn Christianity we belong to the Lord if we live we're his if we die we're his this is why he died and lived for us but whether we live or whether we die we are the Lord His little gospel there in verse 8 any thoughts?
1: Well, I think, yeah, absolutely. You're spot on. And I think one of the things kind of think about is is we distinguish between uh, the weak and the strong uh, in this, this text here, not only in this passage, but before we're really kind of running into when those who are weaker in the faith bump into those who are stronger in the faith. Now, those that are weaker in the faith, uh, you know, they, they, they um, boy, they would say that some days are more superior to others and some food is forbidden to eat. Uh, so they had really strong convictions on these things, um, and their conscience was very, very much uh, grieved or plagued when, when these things would be broken. And so their conscience is really struggling with these things. And the strong are those on the other side who simply say, hey, you know, I'm justified in Christ, period, and it's Christ alone, and uh, they understand that it's neither what we eat nor drink that will justify us. Um, these things that are neither forbidden nor commanded uh, that there's Christian freedom in, and this is where the rub comes. You have those who are weaker in the faith, you know, uh, struggling with their conscience on these things, and they look at those who are, quote-unquote, strong, and they actually, um, you know, they're basically kind of despising them. Uh, no, excuse me, they're, they're passing judgment on them. They're like, my goodness, they're not following these rules and these uh, regulations. Whereas those who were strong, they were looking at those who were weak in the faith, and they were beginning to despise them. I mean, grumbling, it's like, oh, those... Those guys, I mean, they're all, man, look at those weak in faith. You know, they're, they're, they're all worked up about these things that are neither forbidden or commanded. And that's where the rub comes between those who are weak and those who are strong. And so I think really setting that context between both of those and understanding that we have to be patient. Uh, the strong must be patient with the weak, but yet the weak at the same time must not pass judgment on the strong. So there, it goes both ways. And ultimately what this comes down to is when we understand this is that both the weak and the strong, as you mentioned earlier, both of them belong to Jesus, right. and Christ died for both. And both of them, you know, there's just a little bit of the sting of the, the law to realize that both of you are underneath uh, the Lord as the Creator. He will judge the living and the dead. He will judge all things. In other words, uh, quit getting so worked up about these things, knowing that you belong to the Lord, uh, that He takes care of all of this. And uh, understanding also at the same time this great gospel that uh, Christ died for the weak, brother, and he died for the strong as well.
0: Right. And, and you, you said it well there, too, that, that the strength of faith is the gospel. Right? It, the weakness of faith is a reliance on self. And it is that scandal that offends, which we're kind of fighting about or struggling with to apply. And it's going to happen. We're not going to be able to avoid this in the church. And the, the command on both ends is you each stand before God based on grace. So that's what will stand as the answer. As you work that out and teach those who are weak, those who don't know it, humble yourself a little bit. Remember where you came from. Did you get it all in a moment? Of course you didn't. right? Do you still slip and slide back into judging and accusing? Yes, you do. So you need the grace, too. And uh, the, the patience there is just such a key thing. So so let's move into this stuff about judgment then, because he does kind of—he asks, so he, he puts this judgment thing out there. You know, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Aren't you going to be judged by God? And each of us will give an account of himself to God. And well, well is this suddenly—and the, the answer is just—you just, just got to know before we start. The answer is no. Is this suddenly Paul changing his mind about everything he said in the book up to this point? No. Let me ask the question the way uh, Spencer, though, says it on on Facebook here. He says, In Romans 14, 12, concerning giving an account of ourselves to God, I know this ties to the parable of the talents concerning the gifts and places it into our stewardship. And actually, I don't know if I agree with that. Um, He continues, As Lutherans who believe our justification is by grace through faith in Christ— good uh, these passages are a bit confusing as they seem to indicate that we'll be judged by our works and there may even be a scale of merit within the kingdom of heaven can you set shed light on these passages so maybe he's not saying that this is a direct tie to the parable of the tenants, but the, the, they have a similar edge to them and the main question of course how do you read this and not undo justification by grace through faith other than saying it's not you know what i just said a moment ago no it doesn't do that what, what's an argument for that
1: well, I, I think reading it in context with what goes on before, and and boy, I tell you what. Look, let me just simplify it by saying this: uh, what we could say when it comes to those verses there, uh, verses ten and eleven. Uh, really, what Paul is showing here is this: is in view of this great day of this great reckoning that's going to happen at the great eschaton or the very last day. Um, he's essentially saying, it, you know, how foolish is it, you know, to get all worked up about judging our brother. I mean you know, we're not talking about judging sin. We're not talking about, you know, making a bold statement of right or wrong on the basis of the Ten Commandments, but but about judging our brother. Uh, And so he goes on, uh, Paul goes on to reinforce this this sobering idea uh, with Isaiah, you know, quoting from Isaiah. So really, it's in view of this great day of our reckoning. Um, You know, how foolish is this to get all worked up about judging our brother? I mean, that's essentially what he's saying here in this text, uh, you know, verses 10 through 12. Um, so to kind of keep it in context is a very sobering reality of understanding that uh, the Lord is above us and that we are the creative beings in the very context of this.
0: I think that's really good. You know, that every knee shall bow passage, that's the gospel passage in, in other places in Paul. So who's to say that when he says each of us will give an account means, hey, you are gonna you better shape up or God's going to judge you on judgment day. Isn't it maybe possibly, remember guys, on judgment day, you're both going to plead guilty and be declared innocent. so so kind of recognize that and stop arguing about the carpet for pete's sake you know right um the other piece that i would throw into this though which i think is important uh and i'm gonna go watch me go from a uh, an unclear passage to a more unclear passage all the way to the end of the book of revelation where the judgment happens and there is uh these books that are brought out with everything we've ever done written in them everything every thought every word every deed is all laid bare and everybody it says is judged by what is in the books and then it twists and it says and if your name's not in a different book called the book of life not the books that everything's written in the book of life if your name's not in the book of life then you're thrown into the eternal fire so there's this kind of judgment day reality that that all that has been done is going to be laid bare But for the Christian, that's not your final judgment. There's this other piece. There's this, well, can can we call it a pardon at the last minute uh, that comes rolling into you? I also want to touch on the question about a scale of merit within the kingdom of heaven, because this is a very confusing thing. And there's another passage that's far more difficult uh, than the parable of the talents. And that is uh, 1 Corinthians 4, I believe, where Paul talks about building with straw or building with gold and how it's all going to be tested and some of it will survive. And Dr. Francis Pieper and his dogmatics talks about how there is going to be different levels of, of honor, I guess, glory, he says, I think is the word, in heaven. There's no different level of bliss, but the apostles are going to sit on 12 thrones ruling, ruling over us. And we're not going to be unhappy about this, but they're going to have a different honor than we will. And that this is in some ways tied to our life now. But what is often forgotten when we talk about this is that the surest way to get the lowest position is to try to get the highest position. Because mm-hmm. you're not going to be rewarded for, for vainglory and selfish works. Any, any thoughts in response to that?
1: Well, I, th- I think this is a very easily thought. I mean, when we look at, you know, good works that happen in the church or good works that happen to our neighbor, I mean, really there's two ways of handling that. Our old Adam, our sinful nature looks at our neighbor and sees a good work or something that happens to them, and right away the old Adam does two things. It says, um, I can do better or our old Adam says, I need to somehow take that away from them because I want it myself. And so when we look at this through this understanding of our sinful nature, we look at works and, and the doings and the good fruit of our neighbors, and we always compare or we want to usurp it. We go competitive. Um, and that's, that's the old Adam. That's the sinful nature. However, the new man in Christ, the, the new creation, will look at those good works of the neighbor and says, man, that is awesome. <laughs> that is wonderful and we rejoice and so when our neighbor has more good works and more good things happen to our neighbor or more good things that happen in maybe another church we rejoice the new nature in Christ uh, the new creation rejoices and, and 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 exalts God for the great work that's being done and so when we look at good works and anytime we go to the point of comparing or we find ourselves being resentful we can be most assured most assured that that's the simple nature at work. And, you know, as we know, when it comes to the great eschaton of the very last day, we know for a fact that when we are resurrected from our graves and given these renewed new bodies, uh, we're not going to have this old atom around our neck bringing into the new kingdom that will, uh, will poison all this. We will just be, what, new creations in Christ and everything that we see for our neighbors, all the works that were done everything, we're going to be rejoicing. And the more we hear about these great works, the more we're going to rejoice because it's good. And so we can't take the old Adam and put that old Adam into that context of life um, after we are resurrected from the dead because that's, uh, the old Adam's not going to be there. The old going Adam's there. going to be slayed, I mean, yep. completely slayed. And uh, so I think that's a good way to, to, to process that well, question.
0: It, this is, runs right into the next verse. So it's knowing that fact... Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, right? Knowing that there's going to come a day where we won't, let's, let's work at it here, right? Because that's what the good thing is, even if we do it imperfectly. But rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Verse 14, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is in unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. And there's your kind of theological statement as answer to the, to the problem. But his point is still bigger than that, though. 15. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So a bit of a new idea right there at the end. Um, But really, that whole thing, he's repeating the same kind of focus, the same thrust. Look, learn to live with each other. Come on, kids, grow up, right? There is the truth. There's no unclean physical thing now, right? We're out of that kind of ceremonial law time. But that is not a license to harm and to hurt. Right,
1: right. Well, the one thing we have to keep in mind is is that we're dealing with, you know, weak Christians and strong Christians. Now, these are people—and I think you mentioned earlier— which is a very, very important distinction to make, that we're dealing with people who are weak in the faith and those that are stronger in the faith. Um, we're not dealing with, uh, boy, this will kind of open up a new can of worms, but I think we need to briefly hit on it. We're not talking about those who are legalistic in the faith. I mean, thinking of Galatians, mm. uh, the, the, the epistle of Galatians, where Paul writes to Galatia about problems going on there. Now, those individuals, they were not acting in faith. Uh, they had a works righteousness that was set up, where they basically saw by what they were doing, uh, they were acquiring uh, righteousness. And so they were fighting for uh, their, um, boy, their, their way of doing things, their, their um, kind of perverted form of piety, uh, not on the basis of a grieved conscience um, being weak in the faith, but they were fighting for it for a completely different reason, and they were fighting for it to earn righteousness. Now, in that case, when we're dealing with those who are legalistic in the faith, Uh, It's completely different. Those that are weak in faith, we we lay everything down. I mean, we we go to the the, the nth degree uh, to to lay it down and to be patient and to love them, and the reason being, we don't want to injure their faith that is weak. But when it comes to those that are legalistic, we have to keep in mind that they don't have any faith, so there's no faith to harm. Hmm. In fact, what we need to do to those that are legalistic in the faith is we actually need to oppose them and oppose their religious system because they're actually entrapped in a complete lie following a different gospel, uh, which is no gospel at all. So they need to be crushed. Their way of thinking needs to be crushed so that they might see Jesus and actually be given faith uh, through the gospel uh, and the Holy Spirit.
0: The moment somebody stands up and says, if we don't have this color carpet, the Church will die and we are not Christians— then you have to say, I guess we can't have that color carpet then exactly. just because you're saying we have to or we're not Christians.
1: Right, right. So the difference is a person whose, whose faith is grieved and the, their, their faith is struggling with it. Um, and typically, you know, though, though this is not a perfect way of looking at it, the, those that their faith is grieved, those that are weaker in faith, they tend to, uh, generally speaking, they pull within, they—, they their, their, their face will be very complex, and they will uh, kind of pull within and back away. Those that are legalistic, generally speaking, uh, are the ones that will fight really loud, and they will demand everyone that bows to their way of doing it. And, uh, uh, but I think the key is there is those that are weak in faith, we need to be careful and patient and gracious because they have weak faith. But those that are legalistic, um, there's no faith to harm. In fact, they have a legalistic system that needs to be shattered so that faith might actually happen.
0: One more question. we got about a minute here before we need to go. Um, you know, this phrase about it is not good to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble, this has actually at times in the past been used as a bit of a hammer uh, to try to get Christians to not drink alcohol at all, sort of saying, uh, well, well, I think it's wrong, and so you're, you're harming my conscience if you don't do what this says and stop drinking. Um, it, what do we do to that situation?
1: Well, there again, I mean, um, when it comes to a brother who is, uh, you know, their, their conscience is, is strict, you know, stricken by, you know, the drinking of alcohol, um, by God's grace, then what I'm going to do uh, is, if I know that, I'm going to be very gracious and kind and respectful and, um, you know, maybe even, to, you know, choose to have a Pepsi if I'm out to lunch with them, just have right. respect for them. I, I can do that. I mean, uh, being one who's stronger in the faith on that issue, I can certainly do that. That's not going to kill me. I can love them that way. But as soon as they, you know, if a person sits across the table and says, you know, look at all of these uh, pagans around here drinking alcohol, and boy, if, if we drink alcohol, we wouldn't be Christians, then I'm going to do, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to order a beer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, because it's really about pointing us to Christ and to Him alone. And so there, again, that would be the legalistic example. But those that are weak in the faith, um, there's also for them to understand, very briefly, for them to help them process that when it comes to things that are neither forbidden nor commanded, that they have to be careful that even though their conscience is stricken by that, they have to be careful that they don't elevate that adiaphora to the category of sin and condemn those around them for something that is not to be condemned as sin, because then you lay a spiritual burden on those, uh, calling them to repent of sin that it really isn't sin. And then we go down this huge, huge path that can... uh, Boy, uh, dis- destroy faith, and so it's always coming back to uh, looking to that faith, preserving that faith by God's grace, and then pointing to Christ, Jesus, who uh, died for the weak and the strong.
0: An excellent summary of Romans chapter fourteen in total by my guest, Pastor Matthew Richard of Zion Lutheran Church in Gwinner, North Dakota. Thank you for being with me today, Matt. Yeah, it's good,
1: good, good time. Thanks, Jonathan, and keep up the great work.
0: Thank you. Things neither commanded nor forbidden, things that don't matter, things that don't actually affect our faith, they are neither commanded nor forbidden because they are not nearly as important as those things which are commanded, which are certain, which are true. And that means both the Ten Commandments, the law, which would hem us in from harming our neighbor, from treating ourselves as gods, but more than that, the greatest command of all is not do this. The greatest command of all is, I forgive you. It is It is finished. That is why Paul is so concerned about this fight over meat or days or carpet, is that in our arguing over the things that don't matter, we would lose the ability to hear together the things that do. We would lose the ability to kneel together and, as it were, drink from the same cup. We would lose the ability to remember that we're not here for what ourselves can manage to pull up, what we like, what we want, what we achieve. We're here to receive that hope given to us in Jesus Christ, who He is, what He's done for both you and me. You listen to His Time on Worldwide KFUO, the Messenger of Good News. Got a little bit more coming up in just a moment, so stick around.